Hello, I'm John Deeks and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. And for over 23 years now, Your Life Choices has been providing Australians with essential news, articles and retirement resources. And with over 270,000 members and growing, Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. And, well, with all the talk of electric vehicles and the problems with new car stock availability, I should worry. Uh, in the meantime, the cost of our own cars, if you have one, on keeping them on the road becomes more expensive, with petrol prices continually increasing and so much more. Paul Morell from SeniorDriverOz.com is our special guest today, and I'm joined by the publisher of Your Life Choices... The lovely Leon Delabosca. Hello, Leon, first of all. John, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And um, we're going to talk all things motoring with uh, with the man himself. And Paul, welcome. Thank you, John. You've been a friend of Your Life Choices for some time, giving sage advice. And uh, today, uh, both Leon and I would like to talk to you about um, the reducing the costs of keeping your motor car. And I take it that, uh, Paul, we might be keeping our cars longer than ever because of uh, perhaps uh, the availability of new car stock and uh, and also um, the cost of buying a new car. Well, those two factors obviously are fairly important. Uh, yes, we are keeping our cars longer. One of the problems, though, is that the availability of new stock means that we don't have much choice. Um, on the other hand, the upside is that used car prices are going up. So if you're looking for a used car price, you're not in a good position. But if you're looking to sell your current car, you are in a good position. Paul, one of the things that we've covered in the past working with you, well, we've done a lot about how to cut the cost of keeping a car and how to keep your car in tip-top shape for longer and all of those little tips and tricks that you can do to keep your car looking good and acting properly. Yep. Uh, you know, I think maybe we could get some sort of the hit list of what you suggest um, our, our members can do to keep their cars in good shape and keep them for longer. And, and save money. Eventually save some money too. And I think too, we'll talk a bit later about you've got some great tips on um, fuel. And I think, you know, we, we are talking to the man who knows more about uh, cars and driving uh, than anyone I know anyway. <laughs> All right, Paul, lay it on us. All right. Well, obviously, one of your first concerns and the most immediate concern for most of us is the cost of fuel. There's no question. And of course, we've just been through this strange situation where the excise tax was taken off fuel for a period of time, cut by 22 cents. And now that's been put back on again. So we're always aware because we're filling the tank every week. We're aware that you know fuel is an ongoing cost and it's the one that's right in our face. Now, the fact is, and it's unavoidable, Australia imports about 90 percent of its refined fuel. So we're very much in the lap of the gods or the lap of the overseas gods when it comes to our fuel prices. But we buy fuel in American dollars. So this is another factor that comes into it. And because the Australian dollar has now fallen, that means fuel is costing us more to buy internationally. Uh, A bit of a problem all around, if you can imagine. The upside, I suppose, if there is one, is that oil prices have actually fallen by 30% since June. So it's it's sort of evening out. We're, We're back to parity, if you like. So we're looking at 91, 95, 98. Now, they're your, sort of, they're your three yep. choices if you don't have a diesel exactly. at the Bowser. People have been told in the past to always fill their car up with the, the, the highest grade yeah. fuel. Is yeah. that necessarily the case? And oh, is I that just, a place can, where they can save some coin? Can I just stop you there? Because I've just taken my daughter's car, in her first car, in to get serviced. And the service folks said, it's a little VW Polo. And they said, is she running it on the cheap fuel? And I said, oh, got to be. They said, yeah, look, it's really not – it's affecting the engine. She needs to use the the high-end juice. Paul? Yeah, it sounds like a scam, but it's actually not. 
the situation is that Australia has some of the worst fuel standards in the world. Hard to believe for a, a country like ours. What do you, what do you mean really standards? so reliant on cars. What do you mean? Well, we're talking about, John, and this is partly why your daughter's polo is having problems. It has um, carbon in it, it has contaminants in it. And we're talking 91. One of the benefits of driving with 98 RON is that it's a higher quality fuel. Now, most countries in the world have already mandated that 98 is basically the minimum standard of fuel. So if you're driving particularly a European car, a 91 octane fuel is not good for it at all. Now, I know it's awful having to pay that premium to buy the more expensive fuel, but in the long term, it does pay off. I know, for example, one of my readers had just bought a new small Mercedes-Benz and the manual in the car says that she can use 95 RON. That's the recommended minimum octane rating. And it says that on the fuel tank because, you know, to look in the fuel tank filler, it tells you the minimum you can use or whether you can use E10. And her service manager said, no, 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 always fill it with 98. And she's done that. You know, it's good advice. It's painful and it's more painful because you have to, you know, again, look at the fuel next to you at 91 and think, why am I paying this extra 20 odd cents a litre? But in the long term, it makes very good sense. I suppose, though, um, if some of our members are having a bit of a tough week making ends meet, it's not going to kill their car to, to put in some 91 for a tank and then sort of quickly get back onto the 98 as soon as they can. No, it's not, Leon. Most modern cars, in fact, all modern cars now have a, a, an inbuilt computer that will, in fact, change the timing of the engine. Let's not get too technical, but in fact, the inbuilt wow. computer will sit there and work out that if it's running on a lower octane fuel, it will change the way the engine runs to okay. minimise any any potential damage. But long term, that's not gonna, not a good idea. And before I ask if uh, Chinese cars are crap, um, I, have a, <laughs> I have another question for you. Um, Tyres, most important to regularly check your tyre pressure, correct? Indeed, it's one of the simplest things you can do. I mean, apart from reducing your fuel consumption because low-pressure tyres increase rolling resistance. Increased rolling resistance means the engine has to work harder, the engine works harder, uses more fuel. Um, so obviously it makes sense to keep your tyres at the recommended level, even even a fraction above if you want to, but not too high. And that way, well, you'll get your best fuel consumption. But also, I mean, more importantly, because tyres are very expensive, they will last longer. There's nothing worse than having to dispose of a set of tyres where they're only worn on the outside, which makes them illegal, mm. uh, even though there's plenty of tread in the middle, for example, which is usually the sign that they've been driven low inflated. Uh, if they're driven high inflated, by the way, the middles wear out and the outside doesn't wear out. Um, so... Keeping them at maximum inflation not only saves you fuel, but makes your tyres last longer and therefore saves you money on tyres. Just briefly, where, where would we find the correct pressure for our tyres uh, for a standard car? It will be in the workshop manual, although these days you've got, to, you've got to dig through about 400 pages to find that information. It's normally inside the door jam. In other words, when you open the door, there are a couple of little plaques, usually on the driver's side, and one of those will tell you, the recommended tyre pressures. And quite often there's a different tyre pressure for everyday driving or high-speed driving or driving with, with a heavier load and it was a full load of people in the car. I'm not suggesting you have to change the tyre pressures every time you put three other people in the car, but you know if you keep it as close as you can to what it tells you inside the door jam on that little plaque, um, it's the best advice you can get. So one of the other tricks I've heard is um, where wherever the engine is, go two psi higher. Is that something that you recommend as well? Just where the you load can, is heaviest. Said, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, again, though, you'll find that um, that recommended tire pressures. I mean, for example, my wife's car has um, 
higher pressure at the front than the rear because there's so little weight on the rear of her front-wheel drive car. Okay. And again, it's just a matter of we don't need to go into why. It's just simply a matter of if that's what the manufacturer tells you, then that's the pressure you, you should have. And also, it's often worth talking to your tyre guy when you when you get a tire, set of tyres fitted. Ask him what he recommends um, because he may have a different point of view. He may say, well, these tyres will run more quietly at a slightly higher pressure or they'll run more effectively at a higher pressure. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, get his advice as well. You know, don't just don't just rely on one input. One of the other tricks I've, I've heard about, maybe you can bust this myth or prove it, is sometimes it's better to only fill your car up with half a tank because of that extra weight actually reduces the oh. value of the fuel. I was always there. told to work on the top half of the tank. Well, I've always been told never go below a quarter. Yeah. So you'd be running you to the bloody petrol the, station the, every the five cr- days. Or the, or the yeah. crud down the bottom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's Uncle Paul say? What's Uncle Paul say? Well, Uncle Paul says that uh, Leon is exactly right. Oh. Um, if you're travelling with a full tank of fuel, fuel has weight. So therefore, every every additional bit of weight in your car will increase your fuel consumption. And by the way, if you increase the weight in the car by 45 kilograms, that will increase, in fact, your fuel use by 2%, which doesn't sound a lot, but we're trying to you, oh, we're trying yeah. to maximise wow. everything here. Over a month, here. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that's a yep. good point so, you make there, Paul. So people often travel around with a bike in their back or, you know, some bags or some, you know, some potting mix or something like that. Obviously, an easy way to reduce costs is to remove as much weight as possible from your car. It is, and, and obviously Double things that. like if you've got a roof rack on the car, for example, you take it off if you're not using oh, it because, of because the drag. not only is it got not only is it got weight, that's drag exactly. Paul, let's just surmise now uh, just a couple of the key points to to save money on your uh, driving. Okay, we can go through a whole lot. Um, I mean, obviously, the, you know. The obvious one is find the cheapest fuel near you, but don't drive don't drive all the way across town to save two cents a litre. And, and you, know, you get four cents a litre off from different people and you get all sorts of bonuses. Take advantage of all those things. They're important and they will make a difference to your weekly fill-up cost. Next. The one that your dad probably told you was, you know, drive slowly and consistently, not so slowly you're holding up the traffic, but don't over-accelerate, don't brake late. In other words, drive slowly and consistently. We've talked about keeping your tyres properly inflated. One that a lot of people don't realise is changing gear earlier rather than later. Most people, for some reason, change gear much further up the rev range than they need to. That's me. Me too, I must admit. <laughs> but, but for a petrol-engined car, and it's a bit of a rule of thumb, but you know, you can change gears under 3,000 revs and it will save fuel. And if you're driving one of those cars, and probably your daughter's car, Dixie's got the same thing, which tells you when you should change up. I look at that and think, what, already? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm traveling at no miles an hour in fourth gear. Sorry, no kilometers per hour in fourth gear. See, I'm showing my age. Mm-hmm. And it tells me to change up to the next gear. Now, that usually occurs so much before I would normally do it. That's but telling talk, me that you're talking I'm about changing. Man, you're talking about manual cars here. Manual gears, of course, yes. Yes, of course. Um, you can do it with autos, but just let the auto do its own thing. They're smarter than we are. What I'm doing is uh, uh, I've discovered, because I've got a, a Subaru and it's got little paddles on the side, uh, I'm de- mm. de-accelerating towards uh, lights using the uh, the yes. engine to de-accelerate. Am I doing okay? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about with minimising the brake usage. Uh, in other words, you know, if you anticipate, well, I'm going to have to stop. Mm. So you don't drive up there at, you know, 60 kilometres an hour and then jump on the brake pedal. You just ease up to the traffic lights. It also occasionally has the benefit the lights change before you get there and you don't even have to stop. Another saving that you've got. And so, any, yes, other t- any other tips? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really good obvious one. Avoid getting fined. 
<laughs> you, park, see, you saw park, my mail, did you, yesterday? Yeah, I've gotten one too this week for par- a parking fine. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, you see, these, these are huge expenses. I mean, yeah. all around Australia, the parking fines, speeding fines, you know, are, are enormous. Um, so, you know, if you avoid those, they're, they're a massive expense. And I know, it's, I know it's difficult to sometimes, you know, stay below the speed limit or not park where you shouldn't. But... You know, it is an avoidable, as everyone keeps telling me, it is an avoidable expense. So yeah. it's up to you to drive sensibly and not get a speeding fine. Um, I'll um, give you 60 seconds to join with me why we hate e-scooters on our footpaths because I almost got cleaned up this morning <laughs> at the front of my uh, apartment. Well, it's a huge issue across the country. Um, I mean, I, I actually argue that if those very few people over 50 ride e-scooters, I I surmise it's a pure guess, but I, I'm pretty sure that not hurt, many it hurts, it hurts too much when I, you fall off when you get older. I was in Vancouver it recently, and I saw a ton of older people on these e-scooters on the footpath. Yeah, on the on, riding yeah. through the park. It was just a way to get around the city. Sure, but I'm I'm talking oh. about there's a footpath for foot. There's a, yeah, a bike it's the path same for thing. Bikes. I agree. For footpaths are for feet. Bike paths, um, bike just, lanes I'm are for ter- bikes. Yeah. As a seventy-plus-year-old, I'm terrified of getting cleaned up by uh, somebody thundering past at twenty k's on a, on two wheels. It is. A, it's a real issue. In fact, the authorities around the country now are looking at e-scooters on the what they euphemistically call non-compliance by people who use them. Mm. And non-compliance means speeding, not wearing helmets, yeah. having two or more people on a scooter, uh, riding where they're not supposed to be, and, and just basically causing all sorts of issues. Now, like a lot of these things, someone cleans you up in an e-scooter, how do you recognise them? How indeed do you even apprehend them? Because they're off down the footpath and you're lying on the ground with a broken broken ankle. It is a real, real issue. And then, of course, we have this other problem where they're, you know, Unfortunately, I finish with my e-scooter, dump it, and walk away. Mm. Um, you know, it becomes then a, a pedestrian e-scooter. hazard. Leon, it's going to take more deaths before they do something. We're in an area here where they're everywhere. Yeah, uh, but on the they footpath, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I think they're sensational. But you know, if you want to kill yourself, just don't take me with you on the footpath. And and you and I think too, I think the salient point to make here is that they're not going to go away. And so they need, the, you know, That's the state true. governments, local governments, whatever, need to work out the rules and governments are insurance companies the need to make it clear who's who's liable for yeah. what. And but I think, yeah. yeah, I think they are the they are the future. They are the now. We're seeing more and more of them. Electric scooters, electric yeah. skateboards, those single wheeled things, they look crazy. Yeah, single yeah. Oh, crazy. <laughs> hey Paul, yeah. um, you know back in the day, uh, and I can remember when Japanese cars started to arrive into Australia, we go, Oh, oh don't touch those. Those Japanese cars. <laughs> and they're the ones that are still running today, aren't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. they sure are. Yeah. Is it the same deal with the Chinese cars or are they crap at this time well, and we Korean should wait? Cars too, yeah. Korean cars, Leon, have, have moved well into the – I mean, they've even reached the point now where cars like Kias and Hyundais are yeah. actually aspirational. Absolutely, If I can yeah. use a marketing term yeah. where people actually aspire to own a, a yeah, yeah. Hyundai or – Look or at the, the Kia, Kia Australian Open. I think some Korean car companies yep. actually help produce Mercedes, some models of Mercedes or, or did in the past. Is that correct? Um, C- what happens is there are a lot of cars that we think are European who, that are actually made in China yeah, yeah. that we're not oh, aware I've of. Heard although, that. I've heard that. Although we don't get a lot of them in Australia. They're oh, sold okay, in other yeah, markets. Let me okay. name but, names. Uh, what about MG? Is that a, I mean, that, that's a, a very affordable car for our audience. And it's got a, a good, healthy warranty. And uh, I'm actually in one in a couple of weeks, um, uh, the, the MG HSEV, the electric vehicle. Oh, yeah. Now, that. That is the most affordable electric vehicle in Australia. It's $44,000. Yeah. Drive um, away. So now, 
suddenly we're getting to the point where electric vehicles are becoming affordable, and that's always been the biggest hurdle for electric, well, one of the hurdles for electric vehicles. But the MG is, is you know, like all these things, the Chinese are very good at learning and, and improving and recognizing what needs to be done. And they've done that with cars. They've now turned the MG into a a really very, very capable motor car. <laughs> I had a lot of trouble getting them because I think they were selling them so fast they couldn't even get me one to drive. Yeah. But, um, you know, they are – MG is now within the top 10 selling cars in Australia. Yeah, don't tell my, – um, my father, Paul, just swapped his MGB for an MGB GT. <laughs> so don't tell him that they're now becoming popular. Like, cause he'll, yeah. <laughs> And can I just say, folks, if you want to know more about driving and certainly when it comes to us seniors, then Senior Driver AUS, SeniorDriverAUS.com is the place to go, Leon. Also, Paul writes for Your Life Choices quite regularly. So look up yourlifechoices.com.au forward slash drive and you'll find uh, a lot of Paul's articles there as well. Paul, you're a champion. We do thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you both. We look forward to hearing what you think of the MG later on. Sure. Looking forward to telling you. Well, Leon, I've learned a lot. Uh, are you okay now with your uh, Bentley? <laughs> I'll tell you, <laughs> what, when I've got one, I will be. <laughs> no, I think that was really great. There were a couple of little points I learned today. Then it'll like changing when, the gears. I've you, got a manual, and I'd, I'd sort of. When get the do you reckon up. you'll yeah. go electric? Oh, look, I think... Are you, are, you had, red, are you red hot to go electric or are you just like, oh, no? You know what? I love the cars that I've got yep. and they're not new cars. They're great, solid old cars, a VW and an old Audi A3, which I just love. Yeah. Um, but we are in that sort of space right now going, oh, we should, probably should, we, should uh, be upgrading. So, yeah, we're looking at some of the hybrids. Well, I won't be going electric, not very soon. I think all praise to those who are taking the leap. Sure. I think they're a, a great thing. But I'd probably, I'd be looking at hybrid, you know, at this stage. Yeah. Well, like I say, I'm in my uh, early 70s and uh, I just, I can't, yeah, I'm so over like buying certainly new cars because the, that loudest sound you'll ever hear is the, the cost of your car crashing as you dr- drive out of the dealership. Mm. And um, oh, I don't know, I'm just a uh, bit over it at the moment. So I'm yeah. stick with my old uh, Subaru. Look, it's a polarising thing, isn't it? You buy new and you sell early or you buy a second hand, something that's solid and sturdy and you can keep it running as long as you can. So, I mean, you're always going to have two sides of the argument, I think. I've never bought a new car, but you know, maybe one day I will. Leon, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. No worries, John. Thanks right. for having me. More power to your life choices as well, which provides the over 50s with the essential news, as we mentioned. The mission here is to inform, empower, and engage. And on behalf of all the Your Life Choices team, this is John Deeks and Leon Della Bosca. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>